Howdy. Uh, it is, Andy told me I wasn't really going to be able to see y'all, and he is exactly right. It is it's really, really bright up here. Uh, just to give you a little background on who I am. Uh, like, I am a broken, messed up person. Um, I grew up uh, mostly here in Mount Juliet. Went to Mount Juliet Elementary, Mount Juliet Junior High, Mount Juliet High School. Um, I was very... Uh, I was a... In my eyes, I was a perfect kid. I was always the teacher's pet. I made straight A's. I uh, played baseball. I made the All-Stars. I was a pitcher. Uh, they wrote an article about me in the Chronicle. Uh, like, I was, in my eyes, extremely successful. Uh, I went to college. I did everything that I wanted. I went on to school. Uh, anything that I had wanted to do, I was able to do it. Uh, and then in my life, like, circumstances happened, life happened, and my world crashed. Um, I got to the point where I realized that I was living for myself. Now, I had a profession of faith as a kid, um, but I realized just as an adult, that self was who I was looking to, not Jesus. And so I ended up, actually, uh, I was good friends with Andy and with another guy. I ended up going and talking to them. I remember going to Andy's office and just, you know, he greeted me with a smile, happy, He's like, hey, Darren, like, what's going on today? And I just sat there and cried. I remember I sat on our couch in our bonus room, and literally I felt like the worst person that ever existed. I remember potato chips. I used to love sour cream and onion Lay's potato chips. And I felt so bad that I felt guilty when I ate those chips and they tasted good. Like, I don't deserve to taste good potato chips. And I realized through talking with people that my problem was Jesus. I had Jesus in the wrong spot. I wasn't looking to Jesus. I wasn't depending on Jesus. I had filled my life with other things that I was depending on, uh, that I was looking to for comfort. And I wasn't looking to God. I just wasn't looking to Jesus. Now, everybody around me thought I was. I was a, I mean, I was a good person. But my heart was, like, bad. Like, my heart's still bad. Um, but it's Jesus in me now um, that's made a difference. So, you know, I just kind of want to give you a little background on just who I am. Um, 
you know, Andy, even Michael, he's, you know, they used to all say, like, there's nothing special about us. Like, for sure there's nothing special about me. Talk to my kids, talk to my wife. <laughs> They'll let you know. I have, there's an employee here. There's some friends here. Uh, they'll tell you I'm just a goofball. I'm a moron. Uh, one thing I have learned is Jesus is the answer. Um, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the problem is, Jesus is the answer. And oftentimes I still get confused by that. I get baffled by that. Um, I even look to other things at times. And that's where we do need a group of people. You need people like Lou that's going to send you a text at 6.30 in the morning and just be like, hey, how's Jesus doing? You know, what's Jesus in your life? So that's a little bit about my background. Uh, if you're nervous about all the verses uh, printed off here in your little uh, worship guide, uh, that's because I plan on some other people reading the entire book today. <laughs> uh, so Lou, Andy, Keith, you're up. Um, Eric's uh, watching kids. I think he uh, sent me a text. Adam, I guess, is AWOL, but Keith uh, had mentioned earlier that he really liked Adam's chapter because it was so short. I'll stand in for Adam and Eric then. I'll do one and three. Keith's got two, Lou's got four, and Darren's got five today. Darren wanted to do this just as a reminder that this was one letter. I know we do it like a chapter at a time, or even verse at a time, but when Paul wrote this, it was a letter to the church, and they sat down together and read the whole thing together. So this is what they would have heard. And um, he was like, I think I'm going to read the whole book. And I was like, okay, do it. And he was like, I think I'm going to have you all read most of it. <laughs> Just to be clear, I did not know about this until about 30 seconds ago. Yeah, the other thing was he said, I'll tell all of them on Sunday morning. So he just told Lou. <laughs> so we're going to start in chapter one and kind of pass it around here. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake and you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. 
For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it truly is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as to always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last." But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake, 
before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your own hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead will rise, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> All right, chapter five. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon, upon a pregnant woman but they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober." having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us with wrath, but to abstain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that 
wherever we are, awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you and the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one who repays anyone for evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So kind of, has a mouthful, right? Uh, So I kind of went back, I looked at chapters one through four. Chapter one, I basically summarize, Paul starts with a gospel, uh, basically the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, So just right at the very beginning, Paul comes, yeah, Paul come. I was like, Paul, is that, is that the right guy? Yeah, Paul. <clears throat> it's different up here. Um, <laughs> but the last verse there in chapter one, uh, you know, if you start there in nine, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned from God, from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It's like right there at the very beginning, Paul's already like, hey, I came with the gospel. I came, I talked to you about Jesus. I talked to you about how Jesus died. I talked to you about how I saw Jesus, how his life was changed. It's the death, burial, resurrection. So already, chapter one, you have the gospel. Uh Chapter 2, Paul had preached the gospel to them, and the gospel gospel had created life change uh, that actually changed their hearts, and it turned their life right side up. You know, instead of turning it upside down, like we are upside down, sin turned us upside down, God turns us right side back up. Um, because of the gospel, these people that had been worshiping idols and doing all this crazy, crazy stuff, the gospel had flipped their life, had changed their life. And it wasn't just behavior modification. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, like raising your kids, different stuff, like I can punish my dog enough 
where he won't do whatever. But I don't ever change my dog's heart. I just change his behavior. Like what God is after, even what I'm after with my kids, friends, stuff like that, you want heart change. God wants heart change. Like God wants your heart, not just good behavior. That's what I struggled with. That's what I was talking about earlier. That's what I struggled with early in my life. My behavior was okay, but my heart was the issue. Uh, chapter 3, uh, I basically wrote encouragement. Uh, like, they were getting a lot of stuff right. Like, they were doing really good. Like, hey, I'm really encouraged by what you're doing. Like, the love I have for you, the love you have for me, I want to see you, you want to see me. Like, you're doing a good job. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, So I wrote down, encouragement, may your love grow for one another. Why? Because of the gospel. Jesus loves us first, pursues us relentlessly. Like, we should do that with our fellow believers. Uh, Encourage them, just daily reminding them, hey, how's your life about Jesus? What are you doing with Jesus? I've, I've uh, got to witness several times. Uh, we'll all go out to eat, go to lunch. Uh, see, I've talked to a lot of people at lunch. It's just convenient time, seems to be. Uh, people unload for 30, 40 minutes about a problem. Um, and it can be also marriage problem, financial problem, life problem, girlfriend problem, school problem. And uh, I've just seen firsthand what happens when they list all that and you ask, what's your relationship with Jesus like? Like I've seen that. It's a great question. A lot of times they think they have whatever issue. Their issue is Jesus. That is the problem. And they'll stammer, they'll stutter, different. But they all end up, it's not, my relationship's not where it should be. And you're like, yeah, I know. Uh, but it's, it's just, Reminding each other, like, hey, Jesus is the answer. The right question is, what am I doing with Jesus today? That's why we ask, what does this teach about God so much? Like, Jesus is the answer. I got to keep going. Uh, Chapter 4, Lou's chapter. Uh, knowing Jesus causes sanctification. Like knowing Jesus does change your heart. Jesus is going to change you. Like it's predestined to happen. Knowing Jesus causes life change. 
Um, everything else doesn't matter. What you want is real life change. So anyway, that catches up chapter 5. And I'll ask the question, what, what do you see in chapter 5? And actually, if you want to start in chapter 4, where it talks about the end times there, if you want to start there, because kind of the end of 4 connects there with the top of 5, the first of chapter 5. But now's your chance to talk, and I can be quiet and catch my breath. Yeah, as as believers, we can look forward to the end of the world, which is true. What do you say? We have hope. I recognize the voice, although I cannot find you at all out there. <clears throat> there you are. I see you. <laughs> yeah. Someone else? Jesus is coming back. My handwriting is getting worse and worse. Yeah, so in that, like our hope, like all, everything you're saying is right. Every, our hope is Jesus. Like everything that we, like, like uh, some, some things sometimes I think I find hope or comfort in. Uh, you know, how often do we, do we put our hope in something different, in something other than Jesus? Um, for a long time, my wife and some of her friends, and I was guilty of it too, but I put comfort into a sonic drink. Uh, <laughs> I remember one day, 
I mean, it was, I was, you know, having a bad day, different stuff. I send a uh, picture of a Sonic drink sitting in my cup holder. And I was just like, I sent it to a buddy. I'm like, today's a great day. I'm having a really good day today. Like, you know, I was kind of proud of myself. Like, hey, I'm having a good day today. You know, he sends back, are you finding more comfort in that drink than you are in Jesus? And I'm just like, well, I'm never texting that guy again. <clears throat> uh, but, you know, do we really find hope and comfort in Jesus? Or do we find it in a hot bath in the end, at the end of the day? Do we find it in a going to the lake and sitting there? Do we find it in sunbathing or sunbathing? I don't know where that came from. Um, <clears throat> I should write, th- I actually wrote a few things down. I should read them. <clears throat> uh, relationships, like sometimes in relationships, you can be trying to find your comfort in finding a boyfriend, finding a spouse, different things. Uh, tradition, uh, how comforting is tradition? Uh, schedule, kids, parents, job, uh, watching a movie at night, sitting there and clicking on Netflix. Like, how many things do I look for for comfort other than Jesus? And they're like sneaky things. Like, you don't even realize that you do it. I don't realize that I do it. But, you know, if I really sit there and think about it, I'm like, I've had a really tough day today. What, what am I going to go after to comfort myself other than Jesus? You know, is it my nice pillow and my Tempur-Pedic mattress? Um, you know, or is it Jesus? Like a lot of things sneak in that we don't really find our hope in. Um, and with it being like there is this hope, like we were talking last night about what's it going to be like when Jesus like comes out of the sky, gives the shout, gives the command, and all the, all the dead are raised, all the dead join him. And then we that are still around, whoever that is, join it. I mean, can you imagine that day? I mean, Jesus is who you find hope in. When, when that command is given, you're not going to be looking at Netflix or a mattress or a sonic drink. Like, your hope is going to be in the guy that just gave you the command, like, it's time. It's Be ready. Um, all right, what else? We are not destined for wrath, but for salvation. Thus, the hope we have.
Yeah, we are not destined for wrath, but for salvation. And again, that's because our hope is Jesus. Yeah, can you imagine? That was one of my things that I wrote down. Jesus taking our wrath. Like that's kind of mind-blowing in a way. But then to, to think that Jesus... I can't, I can't sin today a sin that surprises Jesus. Jesus knew the sin I'm going to do tomorrow back at the cross. Like while he's there at the cross, he knew the sins that I was going to do, commit, act on. Like, nothing I do surprises him. I mean, could you imagine if, what if he died on the cross and then I committed some sin and he's like, man, I was going to die for you, but not for that. Like, no way I would die for that. I didn't know you were going to do that. Well, of course he knew what I was going to do. He's all-knowing, you know, all the omnipotent, omniscient, all those words. Like, he knew... And to think that he knew everything I was going to do, and yet he was still willing to die for it. For the sins of the world. For all of us. And he's willing to take that punishment. I mean, that is like the definition of the gospel. Like Jesus dying, all that weight, all that wrath being poured out on Christ. Like, he took that. So I didn't have to. But at the same time, like the gospel, all of that, it does deal directly with the sin. I think a lot of times, like we, we feel like, you know, hey, if somebody commits this offense or something like that, I just have to forgive them. I don't have to, I don't, ever have to confront them about what they did to me. Like the gospel deals directly with the sin. Because Jesus dealt with it. Like sin is never just swept under the rug and pretended like it didn't happen. Like God doesn't do that. God deals with the sin directly. Like it, it is, sin is a big deal. It's a huge deal. But Jesus deals with it. And he dealt with it on the cross. He knew about the sins I was going to do. Somebody else?
What was that again? Yeah, God does know everything. Like even even in my life, even things I didn't know about my own heart, God knew it. Like just because there was that seed in my heart, I didn't I didn't recognize it. It hadn't it hadn't grown into this plant that I could recognize. It wasn't a tree that I could see, oh yeah, that tree, that seed was planted in my heart. God knows about all of those. That's kind of scary. Like, I mean, we all have stuff that we don't want to just broadcast from the mountaintops. Can you imagine, like, God actually loves us, knowing what's all in our heart? Stuff that potentially we don't even know about, but God knows it and still chooses to chase after us and find us and love us. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Something What'd you say? I'm doing a terrible job uh, circling and highlighting and all that. I'm sorry, guys. Kind of forgot. Andy, what verse was that? So just just cheating, like Andy, like I know we're gonna circle God. Uh Lord Jesus Christ, that's gonna be circled. <laughs> Died, probably underlined. Him, we're going to get an arrow. <clears throat> I don't know, I just made all that up. <clears throat> it's just a way for me to mock baby Andy over there. Uh, but for real, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he was like, we're not destined for wrath. Like not destined for wrath because of Jesus. I I love drawing now. I'm going to (laughs) draw. Just get ready. But uh, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Like, 
that is our hope. If, if God is able to bring Jesus back to life, don't we think we can trust God to bring us to life? Like, I, I can lead, I can not lead, I can, what's the right word? I have new life through Jesus because I'm confident that Jesus was capable to conquer death. So, I mean, that is our hope. If, if Jesus wasn't capable of coming out of the tomb, could I trust Jesus now? If he wasn't able to conquer death and sin back there in the tomb, I can't trust him now. But knowing that he was able to defeat sin, death, and resurrect in a new life, I know now that he can bring life through me, living in me, because he's capable. He's big enough, he's powerful enough, and then I can trust him. I can, my hope is in him, because he's done it before. I do, I have no idea what time it is, 11.35, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do think 9, 10, and 11, I think, is kind of the synopsis of Thessalonians right here. Because um, you have the gospel there. And then 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. It really is this. Because of death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of our hope is in that, when we are together, when the, when the church is together, remind each other that Jesus is the answer. Just keep reminding each other of the death, burial, and resurrection. Because of the resurrection, how, how do we deal with life now? Several years ago, I was lost in my mind thinking about something, and I just kind of flippantly said, hey, I'm going to go meet with this guy and just tell him that everything, everything he asked, I'm like, how does, that apply to, how does the gospel apply to that? And all of a sudden, we were just like, we, let's talk about that for a second. Like, what if everything in life the gospel applies to? How does that change your life? And then at the time, I felt rushed. I felt busy. I felt, I'm like, what if I could strip everything out of my life that wasn't the gospel? What if everything I did applied to the gospel? Like, how do I work differently because of the gospel? How am I a father different because of the gospel? How am I a husband different because of the gospel? And then you, then you kind of start to see, okay, it, it's heart change, not just behavior modification. Because of, because of the gospel, Jesus is going to make me a better father. Because of the gospel, Jesus is going to make me a better husband. Because of the gospel, I'm going to be a better employer. Because of the gospel, because of the gospel. 
And like that kind of little flippant thing, like, wow, what's the, how's that? I'm just going to go fight this dude and just cram that down his throat. It was like it kind of changed my life. I was just like, everything can be about the gospel. Everything. Like how I live, how I talk to other people, how I deal with my neighbor. And so back when I went through all my stuff, I think before that, I only, I've kind of joked around with our small group. I used, I had a, I hate to say it from up here. I, my wife's going to get on to me probably for something I say. This might be it. <laughs> but I had a, I can't talk now. <clears throat> Is that a sign? <laughs> But, and I've joked with my small group about it, but I used to see everybody else beneath me. And basically, I was up with Jesus. And I know that's terrible. I know that's wrong. I really do. Back then, I didn't. I, I thought, I really thought I was that good. I always thought the gospel was only for salvation. Like, like VBS, you know, whatever, like to get saved, you know, when, when we do a baptism, death, burial, resurrection. I thought the gospel only applied to that moment when you're technically justified. I didn't realize that the gospel was about sanctification, that the gospel ap- applied to life after you're saved. And I, now that just seems ludicrous. Like, how did, how did I not know that? I don't know. But I didn't know it. But I live life like you get saved, you believe death, burial, resurrection, and then you go and you try to do, you try as hard as you can to lead a good life. Here's your list of rules. You don't wear a ball cap in the sanctuary. Um, you know, you, you wear your nice clothes on to the church and you try as hard as you can to be good, which is legalism. You, you get your list of rules and you follow your rules. And if you're kind of like me, if you're kind of a good rule follower, if you kind of like a few rules, hey, life's great. But all you're doing is modifying your behavior. It's not, your heart's not really in it. Like, Jesus wants your heart. He wants, he wants us to love him completely, fully. He's loving us because he loved us. We love him back. And I just didn't know that the gospel applied to the rest of my life. I was, I was depending on myself, essentially, for salvation. I didn't realize that I had to completely depend on Christ for my salvation. Like it's, you believe in Jesus 
to be saved, but to keep being saved, to keep the Christian life, you have to keep believing Jesus, keep believing the gospel. And I had missed that. It's not about just rules. Uh, you know, that's something like the Bible. The Bible really is, Lou said this last week, I think, the Bible really is a love story about how God is trying to rescue us from sin. Like the entire you know, you see Jesus, you see God through the entire Bible, and it's everything we've messed up, and God keeps coming back to us. He keeps trying to rescue us. Um, one more? Yeah, that, I think that, that ties in exactly with what I had right here at the end. If I can find the end. And it confused me at first. It's easier to find, not on this iPad. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when I first read that, I'm like, man, I don't know, that doesn't, that seems weird. But it's how I live my life. Like this is exactly what I was just talking about. It's what you're just, I think it's what you're just talking about. Go do all of this stuff. And so you can present yourself blameless. Like, try really hard, be legalistic, and try really hard so you're blameless, so that when Jesus comes back, you're found blameless and you're okay. And then you read the next verse. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You're like, <laughs> thank goodness, I don't have to do it. <laughs> I mean, the pressure that takes off of you, like me being blameless isn't dependent on me. Me being blameless is dependent on Jesus. Like, like I know we kind of chuckled at it, but thank God that's how it is. 
Because if it depended on me, if I had to do all this stuff, we can't do that. Like we have to trust Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the gospel. Our lives should be about the gospel. Our lives should be about Jesus. Like we have the the mystery of God. We should be telling other people about Jesus. We should be reminding each other. We should be encouraging each other. Jesus is the answer. Don't go find comfort in blah, blah, blah. Find your comfort in Jesus. How am I going to do, how am I going to make this decision? What does it look like through the lens of the gospel? What is my life supposed to look like? What does Jesus say about it? What does the gospel speak about it? And thank goodness it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on God, on Jesus. I'm out of words. That's the end. Uh, We'll pray. I assume... Mr. Beef Pruitt will come up and do something. So let's pray. Dear Father, just thank you for who you are. Just thanks for loving us, just how, just how we are. Just thanks for continuing to pursue us, continuing to love us, even though that we're just a mess. And just help us encourage each other, help us to keep reminding each other that you are the answer, that you are everything, and that you are our hope. In your name we pray. Amen.